Welcome to the Cabin Culture Podcast, where we spend a little more time diving deeper into all the fun parts of cabin culture. We like to think of this as both the material and imagined expressions of how cabin lovers, dwellers, builders, and designers wish to live a more simple and authentic life. On this episode, we're talking to Lydia and Jared Luca, along with their two daughters, Hattie and Alita. You may remember the ending of our last interview with Pete Long, cabin designer and the designer behind Cozy Rock, where I asked him the question, what would you like to see more of in the world of cabins and cabin culture? His response was that he hoped to see more people like Lydia and Jared, a couple out of Minnesota who have spent the last two years building their dream cabin, also designed by Pete, from scratch, by themselves, learning a lot of the skills along the way. It's certainly not their first project as a team, but it is their largest to date. And in today's conversation, we talk through a lot of the details from project planning to budgeting to how to survive and maybe even thrive during a build. I'm excited to share their story with you today. So let's do it. Hi. Right behind me. I know where you all are. I figured you might appreciate my backdrop, a vintage Vikings pennant. Love it. Can you start by introducing everyone? Sure. I'm Lydia Luca. I'm Jared. I'm Hattie. I'm Alita. Hattie and Alita, you're the only two. I recognize your faces, but I don't know you quite as well as your parents because I followed their entire build of the cabin. Welcome to the podcast. Have you been on a podcast before? No. No. First one. You can take a seat if you want. You're welcome to stay for as long as you'd like. They have a date with the neighbor friends, so they want to say hello, but they're going to run over and play with some friends. Okay, well, I'm glad you did say hello. For anyone listening, you should hop on YouTube so you can actually see and meet them because I do feel like there are important characters in this build. And even if they're not here for the rest of the podcast, we're certainly going to be talking about them. So I'm really glad that you could be here for the beginning of it. Do you want to tell them how old you are? I'm 11 and I'm almost nine. Okay. Two days. Happy early birthday. So, nine, are you in third grade? Mm-hmm. Okay. And 11, you must be in fifth grade? Sixth. Sixth grade. Sorry. Okay. Uh, I used to teach. So I love thinking about, for some reason in my brain, I always think of kids where they're at based on what grade level they're in. So that's the first yeah. thing I do. Do you guys have anything you want to share about the cabin or the cabin build before you head over to hang out with your friends? I love the lofts. Like, that's your favorite so cr- part? Yeah. And then... Either the lofts or the front porch, like the Four season porch. Yeah. Screened in? Um, or is it, that fully it's, insulated? It's fully insulated. Okay. So it really is year-round in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's your favorite part? Um, Like the porch. Yeah. You like the porch with all the windows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was your favorite part of helping build? Mm-hmm. The deck. The deck. What did you do on the deck? We built the whole thing, so um, mom helped us, and we had this special tool, and we had to drill in the things, and so they would drill them in the side instead of straight on top, so you couldn't see them. What was the tool called? Uh, I have no idea. I don't even remember what the tool was called. <laughs> um, I'm picturing then, it. I think I know what it is, although I don't. Yeah. you all use more tools than me. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, And then I liked doing the railings on the deck so mom and dad put in the posts and then we worked with our grandpa to put in the um pretty poles that go like in the between. new holes that go across yeah, yeah. they're really yeah. beautiful you all yeah. had quite the hand in helping to build it what was the hardest part for you 
Mm, try not to fall through the the holes while there was still holes. Yeah. Because <laughs> you were there from the very beginning and each stage there's like a lot of construction happening, but you would stay there. Mm-hmm. Did you stay in yeah. the van a lot before the cabin had like insulation? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all four of you would stay in the van? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Will you take other adventures in the van now that you don't have to stay overnight at the cabin all the time? We've talked about that. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. 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 Any advice that you two would have for others who are thinking about building a cabin or maybe like in the middle of a build right now? Don't make a catwalk because it'll block all the light. Do you have a catwalk in yours? No. Okay. Because you, so you knew better. You didn't learn that the hard way. We had a piece of wood connecting it. And even it was just like, um, it was just like this big and we could still like, it would block, it would still block light. Yep. Really? Jimmy has some strong opinions about this. <laughs> I mean, lighting, I'm with you. Most important part of a cabin. You've got good yeah. instincts. They did a lot of self-entertaining, which, you know, that was probably the biggest. They didn't know it, but that was their biggest job. Yeah. Is like finding things to do, being creative, working together. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the most valuable life skill you can take with you. Whenever I say I'm bored, my husband always says, only boring people get bored. I'm like, whoa. Oh. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, good news. Neither of you are boring. <laughs> I'm going to okay. have to use that. <laughs> uh, I have one more question that you all might be able to help me answer. So, we had someone on the podcast a couple weeks ago, a while ago, actually, and he built a cabin with two kids as well. He has two sons. And when he was describing the build, he said it's really interesting because the cabin became another member of our family. And so from experience, I know whenever you add or lose members of a family, it kind of changes the dynamics and shifts the rhythms of day-to-day life. I'm curious how the cabin as a family member has shifted your day-to-day life and your family. Probably because like in the city, we don't have as much outdoor like nature experience and like we also get to see the stars so much that it's mm-hmm. so exciting when you get to go up there because mm-hmm. then like if it's cloudy one where we're like oh my goodness why <laughs> and then on the nights that it's clear we're like yes we get to see the stars yeah mm-hmm. that's such a good one how ha- have you felt yourself change in the last couple of years since you've started building the cabin and spending that much more time out in nature? Yes and no. Yes, because I've been outside and I've been like I got different perspectives because I'm being outside more. Mm-hmm. And then no, because I mean, like there's so many things that haven't changed. Yeah. Like I still like to do crafts and do these crazy <laughs> little contraptions and things. I saw your shirt, explore, create, does it say innovate is the last one? Yeah. Yeah. So you're probably building things all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the cabin was a perfect place for you to learn more skills to build bigger things in the future. Yeah. Have you used any of those skills at home or at school? Mm, Not really. Not yet. So we just finished building a sauna in our backyard as well in all of this. And there was one day that the kids were using the scrap wood here at home and got the neighbors to build a wooden shoes out of all the scraps. So that is a transferable skill. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Because I wouldn't have been able to use a hammer before. Like that. That's right. 
Yeah. And then yeah. over time, those will only get bigger. And it's such a it's such a treat because when you see things lying around like scrap wood to have the like imagination and then also the skills to do something with it is really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think you'll build a cabin of your own one day or just keep coming back to your family cabin? I don't know. <laughs> We've already talked about taking it over. We're going to, Alita has grand plans to go to the University of Minnesota Duluth. And then she's like, I'm going to live at the cabin. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> I mean, that kind of sounds like a dream. <laughs> to live in a cabin while in college. I feel like I did college wrong. Yeah. <laughs> if I could do it again, I would do that too. Okay, well, I'm going to dive into some of the build questions. You all can feel free to jump in wherever you want if you have anything that you want to add, okay? Okay. 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 So why I'm so excited to talk to you all is because we've talked to so many cabin owners who either hired a builder to build their cabin or and or also like rented on Airbnb. And we have very few stories of families doing what Pete calls, or at least has called to me in conversation, like stage building, where you like take Mm -hmm. your time and really do it at your own pace in an intentional way where you're doing it yourselves. And you all are such a good example of that. So we'll probably talk more about the build process on this one than we do normally, just because you were up close and personal through all of it. But before we get into the details, I'd love to know like when this dream was born for the two of you. Was it like always there or was there a moment? So back in 2014, no, it would have been early 2015. um, We had, Hattie was just a baby and we had friends who had bought property that is now adjacent to the property that we own. And they had dreams of having us be part of this whole cabin collective And so Jared was all like, yes, 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 we should do it. So then January of that year, it was negative 40 degrees out. It was very cold. And I had an infant at home and was breastfeeding in the car. It was three and a half hours up there, three and a half hours back. And I was like, absolutely not. We are never going to have a cabin. Understandable, given that context. And so then... You know, as life went on, we went round and round and every fall, Jared would get like antsy, like we're going to build a cabin. I want to. And every year I was like, no, we don't have space in our life for a cabin. And so that's where we built out our camper van. We bought a sprinter van and we were like, okay, this aligns with our values wanting to travel, but we can take home with us and go a bunch of different places. Right. And that was our compromise for a cabin. We're like, we're never going to do a cabin. We'll just do the van. And that was enough for you? That settled your your need for the cabin, Jared? For like a year and a half, two years maybe. Because then we just started, I mean, during COVID, we started camping up at our friend's property, which mm-hmm. was then where this property that we have now wasn't for sale. But then it quick, it like very soon after that became for sale. So we would camp there and then, Yeah. Yeah. So Jared and I are both nurses. I was working the pandemic in a COVID ICU. And so it was like, we had this vacation, we were supposed to go to Banff in our van. And instead, we were spending it at our friend's property in this van. And it just became this place where I didn't have to wear a mask. It was the only place I didn't have to wear a mask. Jared would go to the grocery store, Jared would go into the gas station. And it just became like the absolute haven that I needed it to be at that time because I was dealing with some deep depression and it was just really heavy. And so Jared's like, well, there's this, I had this moment when we were up there at somebody else's property watching the sunset and I took pictures and I was like, 
that it felt like a spiritual moment. Like this land is like a place that means something to us. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's kind of where that moment. And then as a lot of decisions go in our marriage, we talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. And when I say yes, it's like, go. <laughs> Once Lydia's in, it's like full speed ahead. Okay. So Jared, are you the accelerator and Lydia's the brake? So when she lets off the brake, it's like, we're going or? um, Like, I I think the way that usually works is I haven't, I'm like come up with ideas and then I pit, I have to do like a sales pitch. And then once, once Lydia is bought into it, then she'll tell you this too. She kind of is the driver because she has much more, because I'm a little like, because I come up with ideas, I'm kind of like all over the place with different ideas often. And Lydia will just keep us on track to get something done. And so there's been often, oftentimes when we're up at the cafe, I'm just like, I'm tired and need a break. And she's like, no, we can work for two more hours. (laughs) But I think like in, in completing the story about how we chose that land, it was, so we were, we got permission from the realtor once we saw that this land was for sale and we took the van and we camped on it and we looked at like every square inch of the property. And then the four of us sat down, me and Jared and the girls, and we had a bonfire and we each took turns saying, do you want to buy this property? Yes or no. And if it's yes, what are your dreams for it? And that was very special. And I think that it really harnessed like what cabin culture is for us because the girls were like, yes, we want to build a cabin and we want to have, you know, these family friends up and uh, we want to have sleepovers and we want to be outside. And so it kind of was like that we wanted the girls to be part of the decision-making process. And then the next day we placed an offer on the land. How so can you just say no after that? After right. hearing the two of them tell you their dreams, there's like no option to not do it at that point. <laughs> exactly. That's so interesting to think about the decision-making. I mean, most people that I've talked to, it's either a single person or a couple. Some have kids, but I've never heard of anyone talking about the decision-making process as a whole family and having it on that land. So for you, it wasn't this big idea of like, are we going to do this or not? It was like, are we going to do this right here? So in some ways, that probably gave you a clear picture of Mm -hmm. what it would look like to imagine it there. How did that feel to you, Lydia, when just a couple weeks ago you were up there alone enjoying it, like watching a sunset, I'm guessing, at some point from the beautiful porch that both of the girls love, but reflecting back on that moment from the very beginning when it was like your haven? Does it still feel the same? Does it feel different to you now? You know... It's interesting because the evolution of the cabin pretty closely falls like a personal evolution for me because of the healing that it was during COVID and like this building of a physical structure when I was like deconstructing a lot of my own personal like relationships and feelings that had a lot to do with COVID and differing of opinions and the process that I was going through in my, you know, in my grief and depression and so it was now I'm writing a memoir about my life and about my COVID experience. So when I was up at the cabin alone, every time I go, it feels like this haven, like this magical place. And I, every time, like the whole time I was up there, I was texting Jared, I can't believe this is our place. Like, I can't believe we get to, to have this. And um, so, and then I spent a lot of time writing when I was up there. And so the quiet just felt like... Hmm 
a full circle. It's our cabin's not complete, but it felt like, okay, I spent a lot of time healing up here and this is more healing that's happening and totally special. And not only is it uh, a special place, but it's like beautiful. And there's been so many decisions along the way that make it so personal and so, you know, the kids joke, we've, we've threatened them. Don't you ever paint over this beautiful paneling? And so they're like, we on never. The inside. Yeah. On the inside, yeah. That's it the might best. go up smile someday, but don't, don't do it. Yeah. Don't paint over it. Oh my gosh. That was the biggest compromise I made on our cabin was I wanted the wood paneling on the inside so badly. But unlike you all, I wasn't building it myself. And my builder was just like, that's going to be really expensive to source that and like put each, the labor is going to be expensive. And he right. just kind of talked me out of it because he was like, it's something you can always add later if you want to. And we probably never will, let's be honest. But I love that you all did that all yourself. But I can only imagine how time consuming that was. Mm-hmm. But we've done a lot of dry, we've done a lot of types of home projects. Drywall is by far the worst. Yeah, really? You're not good at it. You have to pay somebody to do it. And so. Yeah, it's. It goes like the drywall goes up very fast, but then having the ability to like finish it is a different mm-hmm. form. It's a totally yeah. different. form, And if you've ever done it, I mean, it's just so frustrating. Yeah, this is what Sean tells me, but I've never done it because he does most of the hands on stuff. If you can do it. If you can do it, power to you. But if you can't, man, it just does not turn mm-hmm. out. Okay, I'm going to go back a little bit. At the point that you were at the land, like at that place in time, had you picked out a plan? Because you worked with the same designer that I worked with for Cozy Rock. So we both know Pete quite well. Pete loves you all. He speaks so highly of you, um, as you heard in last week's podcast episode. Yes. Yes. But did you had you already started talking to Pete or did that come later? What was the order of operations? Uh, I don't think that we had talk to him so i think i think when we first bought he only had plans for the original raven house mm-hmm. me too if i remember correctly and yeah. we love that um and we spent a lot of time and i don't know your project when we were building like for our family you have to work through this whole process of like what is the space is it for us is it for mm-hmm. our extended family is it for our friends do we want sleep like 24 people or do we want to keep it where it's four people do we you know do we have a full basement do we have you know yeah so many decisions yeah you we we went from like do we put a yurt on the land all the way to like do we have this massive home and how do we land somewhere thinking about the girls now but that's like a different life stage than when you know one of them is going to college right nearby than when they're potentially married with kids if they want to it's just you have to think we've had to think through our retirement we were like well what if we're in wheelchairs how do we like okay so we want the primary bed on the main floor because we want to retire here yeah yeah so like working through all that stuff so in that process, the original Raven House just didn't check all the boxes. We love the way it looked. We love the simplicity of it. But we were like, maybe I, a bathroom would be helpful. Like maybe you know, a bathroom, a little bit bigger kitchen, like to have, you know, having two lofts. I mean, I know the original one does, but they're small. Yeah. And so, but shortly after that, he came out with the Raven House Plus and we're like, that is the yeah. one. Like that looks so similar, but it has like all that. the things that you want. And I don't did we I mean I don't think we honestly looked at too many other things. I think we were just waiting on Pete to get it done. <laughs> I think I did message him and say, uh, are you gonna make anything with a little bit bigger? And he's like, Yeah, 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 it's coming. And so And then you're just over there like, we've got the land. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. We're ready for you, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime. Yeah. 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 What was your experience like working with Pete throughout the build process? Okay. So to give context on your experience, it sounds like you have build experience in the past. You've done, you are very handy as a couple is my understanding, but this was the first time you were building something from scratch, like a whole house. Is that true or false? That's true. Okay. So how intimidated did you feel at the start of this process? Were you like, oh, I've got this. We're going to learn a bunch. Or were you like, holy shit, but we're going to make it happen. Um, that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's what I would be like, which is why imagining someone at the other one just feels foreign to me. Like, I, yeah, you can answer. Go ahead. So Jared does shit tons of research, mm-hmm. you know, like his brain is like always going. And, um, so he was doing a lot of research about what we wanted to do, how we had to accomplish it. He was resourcing people in our lives and asking questions. And so like, I feel like you had a pretty good idea. Like by the time we were building, you were like, okay, I have a pretty good idea of what we're doing. But every time somebody's like, so the the two of you are going to do this. We're like, yeah. Like, are you going to have a bunch of friends up? And we're like, we don't know. And so that part I think was like at every stage we were like, how are we going to do this? Mm-hmm. So you're actually know. feeling okay until everyone else is like, you're feeling okay. And you're like, should we not be? Well- when I had a pretty big conversation with Pete somewhere in the beginning, and even he was a little bit like, because mm, I mean, he talked about this in the podcast that you were on him with, whereas yes. he's, he's like, if you don't have any experience, like your world's going to get rocked. And so I think he was, we were having the conversation and he could tell that I knew some stuff, but then he was also, he was very kind, like Pete is, you know. Uh, are you sure you he was like interviewing you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he I don't was. Know if I'm going to give you the job. Actually, I don't know if I can build this thing, and he's just like, "Well, I don't really know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> maybe you can." Um, yeah, I mean, it was intimidating for sure, and we had to work through some things. Like, it's a design, but then you have to find builders that you know. People wanted to do trusses and things, and we just there was no way to get them in there, and so. That would have made the build faster and easier if a crane could have come in and put the trusses in, but they're like, we can't get in there to do that. Because of the so, topography? Is that the right word? Like around yeah, the yeah. Like the road wasn't wide enough and there's a big turn and they would have, yeah, like it would have just been a huge deal. Yeah. And so we had to just build it, you know, kind of hand built rafter style, kind of in the old style of building, which was scary as shit. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was the scariest thing. But I mean, I don't know. We just kind of got it done. I don't know. So the the build, I mean, how long have you all been going now? I mean, I know it's not completely finished, but boy, does it look, I mean, it's, it looks so good and it's like usable. So I imagine there's a, a feeling of, of pride that comes with that. But how long has it been start to where we are now? We broke ground in fall of 2021. Mm-hmm. And so by 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so they got the found. So we paid somebody to do the excavation work. There's a crawl space. They had the floor trusses. And so we had a nice base and then we winterized it. And then um, early 2022 in spring, we built all of 2022. 2022 was the big push because that was. We had to get it winterized. We framed it, like got the roof on, did the siding and the windows. And so it was an enclosed space. Yeah, I remember that. And we did all that starting in like three feet of snow and 
March or April and finishing like when the leaves were falling off the trees. Um, I remember when the insulation went in and feeling like a little bit of relief for you all. <laughs> like, cause I think it wasn't it like right before winter and I was like, yes. Oh good. Oh good. They're not going to freeze. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So throughout that, that process, this year was not as good as rough, but yeah. it wasn't that bad. This year was a little bit like the, it wasn't as breakneck pace because yeah. we felt like it's okay if it rains, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I always find teams, especially married teams, fascinating, partially because I'm part of one. And sometimes I wonder if the way we do it is the right way, horribly wrong, if we like should be doing it better. But how did you all, and and you actually have like a four person team kind of. So I'm curious how the girls like play into this too. But did you talk about roles ahead of time or do you already have such distinct roles in your day to day life that it was pretty clear how they would translate to a project of this magnitude? That's a good question. We might answer this different. I'm gonna let her answer first. <laughs> um, I think it depends on what stage of the build we're talking about. But again, when I'm talking about like the personal evolution for me, I had never used a circular saw before we started the build, really? and so there was a. <laughs> yeah, she lit a lot on the job training, and yeah. so there was a very steep learning curve for me. And part of that was um, insecure. Like, do I belong here as a woman who is doing construction? I don't know a lot of things. And so leaning pretty heavily on Jared's expertise to both like teach me and to stop and be like, I don't know this. And I feel like I should know this. And so you're going to need to teach me. So that was interesting learning that because it was just the two of us. Yeah. And so there was a lot of like, okay, I feel imposter syndrome. I'm not going to let this affect my marriage. But we definitely fought about that at times where I was like, I don't know what you want me to do. You know, will you please cut this at 14 and three quarters while I'm like on a 30 foot ladder? And she's like, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I I really (laughs) didn't know how to read a tape measure very well before we started. Like that's if you're talking about like power tools, you're like, okay, just figure it out. You're like, but my fingers, (laughs) like, I don't know that I want to learn this on the job. So that part was, you know, that was interesting in like the personal dynamic. But as far as like the roles, it was clear that Jared was going to be the foreman and I'm going to be like his assist. But on top of that, like we were staying in the van. And so I was prepping all the meals ahead of time. And I'm the kind of the one who keeps all the lists and like, what's next and like, okay, what kind of gear do we have for the kids and how can we keep them entertained? And so just like in any relationship, we had our own burdens of responsibility because Jared was doing almost all of the ordering and dealing with um, the supplier who was sending us stuff and making sure it was going to be there on time. Right. Yeah. It's a lot. I I mean, I think as we moved, I think as we moved further in, like once once the once like the framing construction stuff was well on its way lydia has more style so like a lot of the style a lot of the aesthetics you know like we have black windows because lydia wanted black windows you know and good work <laughs> right the the selecting of like what type of paneling and how the railings look and so mm-hmm. she 
she has the vision for that kind of stuff. And and sometimes then it's just like, well, how do we make it happen? Yeah. And some that and then that's where we work together. You know, I can say, well, <laughs> we we got in fights about this too, because she's like, this is what I want. And I'm like, that's really hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> the exact fight we have. I am so happy to hear that you all fight. Because every person I talk to is like, I don't know. It just went fine. No. Yeah, no. Well, Jared's like, can we do it this way, this way, or this way? And I always choose the hardest because yeah. it looks the best. And yeah. he's like, you oh, I know. I mean, hardest. I don't tell her which one the hardest one is on purpose because I, I don't want her to choose that one. But she always sniffs it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it is forever, Jared. So, you know, sometimes you just have to, like, really stick to your guns when it's for forever. <laughs> and as far as the kids go, um, they are definitely overrepresented in my Instagram feed for like how much work they actually do. <laughs> like they build want the confidence. Yeah. And I also don't want them to hate it, which yeah. is something that we have like battled back and forth. Like, I think Jared had more fear. Like they hate going to the cabin because we just neglect them and work all the time. Yeah. And they don't. And we didn't that way. <laughs> there were times. Yeah. There were times when, they, when it was exceptionally stressful and they, yeah, that they, you know, you would say, okay, we're going to go up next weekend. And there was, they're like, really? Do we have to? Yeah. Because, because it was, I don't know. It was a hard, it was hard on us sometimes because yeah. it was just a, a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was hard on them, I think. Yeah. Like yeah. not, not bad. I think it helped them learn a whole lot of different skills that hopefully will be helpful and they'll have to look back with positive but when you're a kid and it's august and it's 90 and all you want to do is go swim but your parents have to do the siding like that's terrible i know (laughs) and it has to be hard to know as a parent in that moment is this one of those things that like rose-colored glasses 20 years from now they're going to be like fighting over who gets what weekend at the cabin or is this going to be one of those things that like sticks with them right and you're you're i don't know like that had to be hard for you all to figure out like when was too much and when was nope you're gonna be okay this is enough and i think now that we don't feel the weather pressure because that was really hard is this like no we have to keep plowing ahead or we're not going to get it closed in by winter now that we don't have that i think both of us feel like we can let off the gas and some days if even in the middle like neck deep in a project we're like we have to stop and go swimming, even though we hate to leave it at this stage. Like, Mm -hmm. and we're better about that. Like, Nope, it's time to call it, put away the tools, Mm -hmm. drag Lydia away from the cabin. Yeah. Yeah. But it is like, there are different phases where you don't have that luxury. And I worry sometimes about us and other people that you spend, you fall in love with the land, you have this dream, and then you spend so long in the trenches that by the end of it, I'm sure you feel satisfaction, but do you do you even remember what you loved about the land or like what was there at the beginning because all you're doing is working all the time? So sometimes I yeah. think taking that break and just enjoying why you came there has you to You have to. Yeah, you have to do it. I do remember not to over I mean, I do remember one of Pete's posts early on where like he was talking about naming the Raven House, I think. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing was about he was working out there and there's all these ravens. And so even though it was just this little story and I didn't think of it a lot, but we have this huge pine tree that's right next to our cabin, this big white pine, the girls and we call it the grandmother tree. Mm. Um, And 
I don't know. There's there have been days where you're like you're on a ladder, you're totally sweaty and covered in sawdust, and you're just like, I am so exhausted. And a breeze will blow through, and that tree has a specific sound to it, hmm. and it kind of just like it grounds you back to like, okay, this is a season. Like, yeah, this is gonna take three, four years to finish, finish. But like you said, Janice, it's like a forever project. Mm-hmm. It's just a phase. And, but you just have to, you still have to like take those, even if it's only for like 10 seconds, just be like, okay, let's take yeah. a deep breath. Like there's things around here. This is why we're doing this thing. Yeah. Along those, that same vein, there were several times we were up um, building, putting in the roof rafters and framing stuff out and there was a hummingbird that would come by. Mm. And now when we stand on our deck, that same hummingbird comes by. And it feels like this continuity of like, okay, the land has stayed the same while the cabin has changed. And that thread of like, this is why we did it has just, I think it's just so sweet. Mm-hmm. Little do you know that hummingbird is humming around you and going, holy shit, Lydia, look at what you've built. Remember in the yeah. beginning, you didn't know how to use a circular saw, and now look at you. That's what I think the hummingbird is saying. Yeah, thanks. Do you all have a name for the cabin? I wondered that. No, we don't. No. Because it's interesting. The naming only became a thing, I feel like, when people started renting them. And it's more of a like marketing term than it is anything else. So I often wondered, because I don't know if you all plan to rent it, but it really feels like it's your family place. Is that true? Yeah. Or what are your like long-term plans for it? Um, you don't no, have to commit I mean, to anything or even answer that if you don't want to. We t- we, t- we talked about it. There are, I mean, there's. I I would say as of now, like there's no plan to rent really. Yeah, there's zoning restrictions where we are as well, and so our plan is again when we come back to the design, it's like we want to have people up here, but primarily it's going to be the four of us, and so when we think of seating, let's think of like our seating option A is what's best for the four of us. And then we can like cobble together the rest of it. But like, let's not prioritize eight people up here. The other part is we would love to share it with people with, you know, people that we Mm -hmm. send people up there as like a getaway or rent friends or something, but we haven't figured that out. Like, how do you do that? Um, we don't know. Yeah. And it's so hard when it's yours first. And I feel like we love renting our place, but it does change your relationship with it, right? Like yeah. I do spend most of my time up there enjoying, but thinking about what needs to be fixed immediately. Whereas if it were my house, it would be yeah. more of like, I don't care. I'm not that picky. That that can stay there forever as far as I'm concerned. But when you're thinking about other people, it just changes your relationship with it. Yeah. So no name yet. Maybe one day down the road it is a a thing up there i feel like they do name people do name it you'll you'll see signs or you'll i mean some of it some of it is just family names like you'll just see you know the whole sons or whatever whatever yeah Yeah. that's how it is in maine it's just like the family camp we never named it. our family camp wasn't named every anything we were just like yeah we're all going to camp and everyone just knows (laughs) what you're talking about and you're like we'll see Yeah. Okay. So when you were thinking about this build, I want to ask some logistical questions because we've talked to so few people who have actually done a build of this size on their own. 
How did you plan from the beginning? Did you have like an actual project plan, like backwards plan almost? Like if we want to be done by now and then with this winter, we need to get these things done? Or were you just figuring that out as you were going? Do you mean, I mean, do you mean like an actual Word document or like a list? Yeah. Or like a calendar? <laughs> like, did you have targets you were trying to oh. hit? No. Okay. I mean, it was instead of all and my brain, which is a terrible way to do it, which is probably why <laughs> he was high. But it, <laughs> I, I, I mean, there were things in my head where I was like, we need to finish this by, but it was a, it was just this running conversation. So like once we started and had it, because we didn't know even how long things would take. Right. You know, so how did you even know if you could hit those targets? So that that was the trickiest piece because when we started in the snow, it was because we we didn't know how long it would take to frame a wall. Yeah, you know, I mean, we had some concept because we had done some little, you know, you build a shed in the backyard or whatever, but it's like it's in your backyard, you can do it one at your own leisure, right. right? And so, but once we got up there and started working, we're like, huh, we're pretty quick at this. Like, we can really get this done. And so then the conversations would happen like, okay, well, we're going up for this weekend, this week, and, and this weekend. What we need to get done by then is this. And then as when, when we were finishing those things, then we were planning two or three weeks ahead of that. Okay. Um, but none of so- this was written down? You were just like... Well, <clears throat> what happened was it's a three and a half hour drive up there and a three and a half hour drive back. So Jared always drives. And talk the whole time. And talk the whole time. And I would take notes and I would make lists of what we needed to buy okay. and what we needed to do and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and be like, so we would process it. I mean, that's like seven hours of processing it. Yeah. But what you needed to, we needed to do in order to be like, okay, what do you think we can get done the next time we go up there? What kind of supplies do we need? What kind of tools do we need, you know? I mean, I was making lists, but they were running lists, not so much. Yeah. I, there wasn't never a time where I like sat down and made one huge plan. Okay. This is what I always wondered. I just assumed that my contractor had like a big plan, but I never saw it. So I don't know. Maybe this is how it's done in the industry. I just, in my work and life, everything is in a spreadsheet or Trello or something. So I assume that everyone has like, but that could just be because of my ADD. I absolutely need it to like function. But yeah. When a lot of stuff is just, I mean, if, if people are curious, working with contractors is a totally different if you've never done it before, it doesn't work like any other job. I mean, yeah. they all have their own personalities. Oh. They work on their own timelines. They work on their own timelines. And like all of them are good at what, you know, all the ones that we use were good at what they did. And like they would drive me bonkers because, you know, they'd say they were going to do something, then something else would come up and they wouldn't show up or they'd mm-hmm. show up and that, you know, like a perfect example is when they poured their concrete, the, the, the uh, the pump truck didn't show up, so they had to like pour the concrete into the sono tubes with a front loader. I don't know. And like our sono tubes are all messy and crazy because these guys were just like, "Well, the thing's not here, and we gotta get this done." So they did, but yeah, <laughs> you know, not how things... it was supposed to go down. Yeah. So like, even if I, I think if I would have had a plan and I would have had a lot of deadlines, I think maybe I would have been more frustrated because I would have been disappointed a lot. Yeah. And so it was just kind of rolling and I talked to them on the phone a lot. Yeah. 
Huh. This could be really good advice for other folks because I think that might be – I did not experience it with this build. Thankfully, my cousin was a good communicator, but I've worked with other builders and I mm-hmm. always had backwards plans of like when everything was going to get done. And when and I was a teacher where like everything was on time. And so when it didn't, mm-hmm. I was just so disappointed, which yep. turned to anger more than I care to admit. So maybe this is the recipe for success is not be married to a specific time schedule, just knowing the order in which things need to go. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that it's, it's probably good advice. I mean, I don't have a ton of experience with this, obviously, since it's our first big build. But knowing other people too, like within our HOA, this is this is a common thing that people, mm-hmm. especially in this in, in this part of Minnesota, it's it's three hours away from the city. If you were building something within an hour of the city and you were using like city construction, it's different. Mm-hmm. But yeah. this is like rural. They, it's just different. And so if you want to start in the spring and be done by the fall, you're probably going to be disappointed. Like that's just yeah. the way it works. Up there. Yeah. And which was helpful to, I know during, while we were building, there were so many issues with getting supplies and, you know, supply chain shortages yeah. and all this stuff, which I think that we, we were able to circumvent a lot of that because Jared was so good about ordering things like so far in advance and being like, we're going to need this in six, six months. So I'm going to order it now to make sure that we get it. So smart. And we ended up getting most of the things that we needed on time where people were complaining. So like, for example, when we did the foundation, we ordered all of our construction lumber and we just prayed that it wouldn't warp over the winter and we tarped it all so that we already had it for the spring. Cause Jared was like, they're not going to be able to get up in the snow, which was true. And so we can start building as soon as we want and have a little bit more control. We had to dig a really deep oh hole gosh. to get to it. <laughs> I think it was five feet under <laughs> snow. It was, it was oh, so deep down. Man. Minnesota oh, man. winters, worse than Maine, I think. Like, I don't, I mean, not every year, but that year. It was so Will ever live in my memory as the worst snow year. Well, and so it was still snowing. We're framing our first walls. We were like, kids, just go in the van and stay warm. And they... We were like, "Is are they coming up here? They had gotten their snow pants on and their jackets on and their sketch pads. And they just sat there while we built walls in the snow. <laughs> I think I probably saw, because there were many times where I saw Instagram stories of them like on their own adventures or just keeping themselves entertained. And I was just like, this is so, why- I have two nephews and I'm just trying to imagine <laughs> what they would have been doing. And it, it wasn't that. Yeah. Okay. So with budgeting. Was that similar? Did you have a budget in mind? And do you have it like breaking down by categories? How did you even begin to think about at what point you could afford it? And then what was over budget? What was in budget? And then everything's changing price. So how do you like, how do you deal with those setbacks? Well, I think we should back up just a little bit is you can't get like a regular straightforward loan if you're building it yourself. So you can't get a construction loan if you don't have a contractor. So what we did is we took out a line of credit on our house in order to get a loan to build the cabin. So that was something that people have asked me about, like, how do you get a loan? And you can't. I mean, I didn't realize that you I think you can, but it's very difficult. You have to, like, prove your skill level or something so they know because they want to make sure that they can sell the thing if you default on the loan and get all their money back. And if you're building it, they're like, well, what are you going to build? Right. That makes sense. You have to prove or you have to show that you have contractors to do certain things. And then, there, you know, it's just a lot more. 
for us, it would have just added a whole nother level of complexity of trying to figure out how to keep track of everything. And yeah. So yeah, that's that's good, Lydia, because if people are trying to do it on their own, it's yeah. much more challenging to come up with money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Jer- so Jared keeps track of all the money too. And it was more like ballpark. And I think you've learned from other projects to overestimate. Mm-hmm. And so we knew roughly the cost of supplies and having worked with contractors, it's often the labor itself that costs, yep. that the costs vary so much. And so when we were building, and it was kind of like in stages, like, okay, so we bought all the lumber, we could get a quote for the windows. And so it was like harder, like harder numbers that we could keep track of. Yeah. And always, you're always going to run into things that are going to surprise you. Like yeah. midway through, we were running out of the season. Uh, the pitch of the roof was like so, so steep and scary that we just, Jerry just was like, we're paying somebody to put shingles on the roof. And that feels and like not, a good decision. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not going to do a metal roof because yeah. the metal roof was four times as much money. Yep. And you're like, I wanted the metal that. roof too. And when I got the quotes, I was like, nope. I'm going to be okay with shingles. Yeah. Well, because when did you guys finish yours? Summer of 2021. Right. So, I mean, you were having supply chain and like everything Mm -hmm. was really insanely expensive too. Yeah. It went up mid-build. So we lucked out on some of the stuff at the beginning of the build. And had we ordered all of it, we would have been better off. But I wasn't in charge of any of that. And we, you know, you you can't predict all of it. So. Right. So, I mean, lumber and stuff when we were building was insanely expensive. Yeah. But we kind of just looked at it as, well, we're not paying for labor, so let's just do it anyways. That's right. Well, and we didn't want to wait. Yeah. Because yeah. who knows? I mean, that was the reality. I was hearing that those prices might not resettle for 10 to 20 years. And I was like, and not even back down to where they are now. And I was like, okay, well, you can't wait that long. It's one thing to wait a season. It's another thing to wait 10 years. When we didn't know, I mean, maybe the next season it would have been worse. We didn't know. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I think people are. A lot of people are playing that game with the housing market now. Like, mm, will interest right. rates go down? And like, I think it's already been a lot longer than most people anticipated. So I think similar to the last thing that you said, maybe not locking yourself on to a specific number. I think this is why I'm always so hesitant to answer the build cost question because. Someone gave me a number at the beginning of my build and it was $200 a square foot and all of my financial spreadsheets, because of course I had a lot of them, all were based on that number. And then when you get the initial cost sheet and it's like more than double that number, you're like, what? And Uh so I think I'm scared to give anyone that number because it's like it can just change so much and you just have to plan way over whatever it is you think. Well, I mean, I think if people are really interested, like if they have a plan, they can send those plans to, um, I mean, they could probably like go to, I don't know if you guys have Menards, but you probably don't, but like a Home Depot or a Lowe's or something that has, that can supply you all that stuff. And those prices are probably not going to be exact, but they can spit out a number of what it's going to cost you. For materials. Yeah. They're not going to do any labor or anything like that, but you can look at that and say, this is how much the, this is how much material is going to cost. And then you could probably figure out, you know, I'm going to have to hire a plumber or electrician or whatever and figure some of that stuff out, but you'd at least have a base yeah. for, you know, just do a lot of phone calling and calling people. And some people won't give you quotes. Like, I don't think we ever got an estimate on from our 
dirt guy that did our foundation until it was like done. It drove me bonkers. To your point about this industry not functioning like literally any other industry. Yeah, I tried to pin them down a ton of times and be like, can you just give me like, I don't even care if it's $10,000 difference. He's like, oh. ballpark. Yeah, he's just like, I don't know. I mean, I, it might be all rock under there. So I might have to blast it with dynamite. It's like, whatever. I don't even know. What and to he's tell like, you. not wrong, too. And it's also like, but you need to figure out some way of communicating this to people who are trying to like organize fi- like their financial savings into this project. Right. Yeah. It's so hard. Okay. What are the biggest things that the two of you learned along the way that maybe like the second half of the build became easier because you learned it? And that could be like the way you work together. It could be things about building. I'm just curious, like which things got easier as you got further along the project? I mean, my, my, um, my partner here is like way more skilled (laughs) now than I was. Yeah. Didn't you do like all of the siding by yourself? we she did it together yeah. I, yeah that's right so you that's, all of it yeah yeah so i did most of the cutting for most everything all the paneling all the side yeah yeah so you so, could just yell down know, commands from the top of the ladder and she would just zoop, yeah. right up in the beginning i would have to come down the ladder and like make sure that everything and now i don't and that's yeah. awesome <laughs> i think just even our communication with each other. It's interesting because we've only had, we've had a couple people come and help us out and having a third person or a fourth person in the mix, we realize like we don't verbally communicate a lot because we know each other so well. There's just so much that happens between us and understanding and reading each other's body language that is just like, we have, we work really well together. Now, the other thing is, a lot of couples can't do something like this without getting divorced because there's just so much conflict. And Jared and I knew from the beginning, like we've always enjoyed projects together. It's something that we enjoy doing together. We knew we worked well together. We both have a similar work ethic where it's like, I'm not worried. He's like drinking a beer behind the cabin, you know, like That's we're going to both. important than you would think. I think that yeah. was something that surprised me is that we had the same work ethic. And I was like, if we didn't, this would be... Yes. Because there's so many long days and it's like better if someone else is in there doing work, you get tired and you look over and you're like, but they're still going. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Right. And if they weren't doing that, I feel like that's way more important than you realize. Yeah, Yeah, that helps. I mean, (laughs) if anybody ever told me that they were going to build a cabin and I asked them if they've ever done any house projects and they said no, I would just say like, go build a shed or (laughs) like go build a playhouse for your kid and do it together and just see how it goes. Yeah. And you make it through that and you don't kill each other, like then you can maybe do another project. But like start if you small. start small. That's yeah. what we did. I mean we've done a lot of different things. I mean, we've started like with building a fence. I mean, it's a pretty non consequential project or mm-hmm. doing a bathroom or remodel, you know, then we remodel the kitchen, which that's mm-hmm. a bigger project. Mm-hmm. Kind of worked our way up. And so people ask all the time, like, well, how do you know how to do all this stuff? And you're just like, because you have to, you have to do it. You, mm-hmm. Keep you doing ha- it. And it's scary sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you don't know what's going to happen. You're not sure if you're going to cut through a water line or get electrocuted or whatever. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> low stakes problems. Yeah. I mean, no big deal. but you like, what if you're like for somebody that wants to fix a sink like what's the worst that can happen the worst that can happen is like someone has to run down and shut off the water main and you shut off the water main 
you right. just clean it all up and you call a plumber and they fix it for you. Yeah. I mean, it's going to cost you more, but like, give it a shot. I don't know. Yeah. Who if, starts yelling at who? Who's pointing fingers? Who's taking the blame? What does that look like? Now magnify <laughs> that by like a hundred and think about what it's like to build a cabin. Yeah. I mean, do that stuff if you want to do it. That's really good advice. Just thinking about that, like just a sink, just fixing a sink is like a small project. Do it together though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, really like the first thing I, I remember distinctly, like the second sink that I was trying to fix, I had to do everything in my body to not whip the wrench, like through a window. Cause I was so frustrated with just like the stupid leak would not go away. And I think if I hadn't gone through that, I probably would have lost a lot of tools in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> what was the biggest, <laughs> what was the biggest slash most recurring fight that you all had during the build? Was there like one that just kept coming back? Hmm, that's a good question. Lydia wants to get more done. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Like, oh, there's still daylight. And he's like, no, we have to stop and feed our children dinner and go swimming. And I'm like, but. That's probably a good healthy balance. That's a good healthy fight to have regularly. Yeah. Because that's a hard one. There is, in teaching, we always used to say the work is never done, which at first when I heard that, I was like, oh, well, that's exhausting to remind me that literally I'll never get to the bottom of this to-do list. But then it was like, no, it will never be done. I have to say done. At the end of every day, I only I can decide when it will be done for today because it's never going to be done. And it sound, it's similar with some of this work. It's like someone has to make that call. Yeah, and I think back to, I think, when we were talking about if the kids will hate it or if they'll mm-hmm. love it. And I think there were times, too, when I was afraid that I was going to hate it because mm-hmm. of the work that was involved. and. I mean, the reason you go up there, right, is there's this beautiful lake, Lake Superior. You can see it when you're working. It's gorgeous and you want to enjoy it. There's hiking trails, there's mountain biking trails, there's waterfalls, there's all this stuff. And when you're working, you're not doing any of it. Yeah. You're just, I mean, you're in the space, you're in this beautiful outdoor space, but you're not enjoying any of the other things that there are to offer. And so I think sometimes too, we would go up for a week and I was just like, can we please go do something fun, Nick. Yeah. Building is fun, but there are, there were definitely times where I was like, I do not Mm want to go up there. Like this is not fun right now, you know? Yeah. And that's where I'm kind of glad, at least for now you all aren't running. Cause I still feel that way. Every time we go up there, there's like a long list of stuff that we have to get done. And I sometimes feel like we don't enjoy I'll read the guest book and be like, wow, I love that you did this. I love, oh man, everyone's finding so much relaxation here, which makes me very happy. But then I don't always have the space to do that. So I feel happy that you all, especially now that it's like less crucial stuff for you to do, you can take more of those breaks and take your time and enjoy it more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have two important questions before we finish that we ask everyone. Actually, one of them I always forget to ask, but tell me about your cabin fashion. I mean, sure, I imagine thinking- for you two, it's a lot of work clothes right now. But imagine, Lydia, go back yeah. to when you were writing and relaxing mm-hmm. at the cabin and like the future evenings in front of the fire. What will your cabin fashion look like? It's like uh, oversized plaid shirts and oversized sweatshirts and leggings and sweatpants, like cozy stuff. But then I also think of... Um, 
all the gear. Yeah. Because cabin to us, like eventually I want it to be like, go play and then go relax. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But it's funny. I just bought some water shoes and I was like, Jared, they're kind of ugly. He's like, yeah, you can wear whatever you want at the cabin. That's right. Fashion goes to the window. That's right. <laughs> cabin fashion is a whole different ball game. I remember saying to Sean the last time we were up in Maine during the winter, I was wearing like giant overalls over a long sleeve shirt with a giant hat, like none of it matched. And we were walking into Target and I just looked at him and I was like, I've never felt more like myself. (laughs) And that's what I love about cabin fashion because it literally doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It's just like, am I warm? (laughs) Am I able to do the things I want? Great. What if you're in a place that is cabin culture? Like, Nobody cares. That's no. right. They're all doing the same thing. That's right. Either they're living their regular lives and they're just like wearing their regular clothes or other people are at the cabin and they're like, oh man, I forgot my coat. I guess I'll just wear this humongous coat from the closet that we left here like three years ago. That's right. And, and it's you're fine. Warm. Yeah. This is actually a funny aside. Um, my dad came to help us put in windows during the build and he drives up and he gets out and he's in slacks and a button up shirt and Alita goes, he's wearing his city clothes. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, that's the best answer to what cabin fashion is. You just know it when you see it. She saw it. Yeah. She's like, that is not your cabin attire, no. sir. No. Uh-huh. He's wearing his city clothes. That's so funny. <laughs> okay, the last one, and this one was really driven home when we were up in Maine. Uh, my brother-in-law is really good with the boys who have a lot of energy. And so we were driving. We wanted to go see moose, which involves a lot of driving and probably seeing no moose. So he's like, how do we make this enjoyable for the nine-year-old and the seven-year-old in the car? And so he made a scavenger hunt. And one of the things, and it was like a tic-tac-toe board. And one of the things on it was a cabin. And we're driving and Lucas goes, well, how do I know what a cabin is? And everyone in the car just turned and looked at me and they're like, Aunt Jay, you're up. What is a cabin? And even then I found myself stumbling like, uh, well, uh, like so much pressure. So the last question is, in your opinion, what makes a cabin? How would you answer that question? Mm. That's a hard one. The good news is there's no right or wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, It feels harder to answer now that we have one. Mm-hmm. I feel like I probably had a clear answer when we were choosing to build it. That's like, fascinating. Here, so like here in Minnesota, there like there's a lot of cabins and there's a lot of lakes. And most people have been to cabins. But those range from like homes that are larger than our home. Mm-hmm. You know, they have four or five bedrooms and big kitchens and boats and docks and everything else and so when we were choosing to build it we were choosing intentionally like we want an open floor plan we want it to be simple we want it to be kind of small we want it to be rustic to a certain extent Mm -hmm. Uh, we want it to be like really close to nature and not really close to neighbors necessarily Mm -hmm. um but now having one that that becomes a little bit more Mm -hmm. hard to define I don't know. I think for us, maybe it's just, it's a place that's has different rhythms than home. Maybe, hmm. you know, I like that slow mornings with coffee where you don't have to go anywhere if you don't want to, Yeah, you know, 
or, you know, exceptionally long cross-country skis with no intention of, you know, have to rush off to a meeting or be home for the kids to pick them up from school. Like you can just be in that space and the rhythms of the day are just very different. And I think that that's probably how I would think of cabin culture now, because even people that have huge lake homes, I think that's what they're, Mm -hmm. that's what they're looking for. They're looking just for like a different rhythm, not the same. Which is kind of like exactly what Alita said at the beginning when she was describing the nature and just how different it feels from Mm -hmm. being in the city. Yeah. I was going to say more of a vibe, more of a feeling, a cabin feeling. But I think um, as we were talking to me, cabin is, um, remote like you don't share your space with a lot of people it is a place to get away and my aunt and uncle have a a home that they would call a cabin and they intentionally don't have clocks there and it drives me nuts because they're like we're on cabin time time doesn't matter and I'm like but time always matters and so like in my cabin we will clocks we don't we don't know we don't yeah I really like this idea. <laughs> I'm thinking about where we have clocks at the cabin now and maybe if we can take them away. I That is like a, a tangible example of, I think, changing the rhythm from home versus the cabin that I really like. Yeah. That's why this question is so good. I've asked it so many times, like 40 times now at this point, I think. And the answer is never the same. No one has ever said it has a different rhythm than home. And I feel like that is going to stick with me a lot because that, I mean, I know it doesn't, it wouldn't answer. Lucas would be like, okay, Aunt Jay, like, how do I, how do I identify which building has a different rhythm than the other one? And I can appreciate that. But um, that really gets to the heart of the feeling, I think, which everyone says, everyone says it feels different, but that actually like puts kind of a makes it a little bit more concrete. Something Pete said in his podcast with you that has stuck with me is that when he visited your cozy rock, that it felt too nice to be a cabin. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's really fascinating because first of all, he's the designer of these beautiful spaces and the way he renders them is very similar to how you have like both of us have curated our space. So that to me was fascinating And as I'm thinking about it, everybody has a different feeling of what it means to get away. And so for me, a cabin is a beautiful, clean, minimalist space. Like, I don't want clutter at the cabin. I want, you know, I don't want, one of the things that we've talked about is not having any art at the cabin because the art is looking out the windows. And the art is- And you have the beautiful paneling. I mean, you don't need to put anything on that. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, but I want a nice, I want a nice cabin that has the comforts of home so that it can be a launch pad to do my outdoor adventuring and then come back and sleep well and take a warm shower and have a nice meal because I also cook. And so like that to me Mm -hmm. is important. I don't want to have to feel like I'm camping because that's great. And when, when Pete described what he prefers, what him and Kristen look for when they're traveling, I was like, that's so good for the two of you. <laughs> but, but I also want that hot shower at the end of the day and the nice kitchen and the 
heated mattress pad cover on my bed. I'm not going to lie. Like that makes the cabin my happy place. Right. But but also just to add to that, we have the boundary waters that are close to our cabin and we would love to take our kids portaging and canoeing and camping and know we will at the end of our adventure, three days, five days, we'll have this beautiful place to come back to that yeah. feels like a sense of home too. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's not about it being so nice that you just stay there all the time, which you can do certain days. But I do feel like cabins are meant to be a launching pad for some sort of more direct interaction with nature. Right. But you're two of the hardest working people I know. I don't want to take up any extra amount of your time or your evening. I don't take it for granted that you are willing to spend an hour with me. And I'm super grateful for it. It's been fun. Yeah, it's been a total pleasure. And it's great to actually like see you because we super stalked your cabin when we were building. Like, well, what did they do for this? Where did they put an outlet? How did they do this light? How did they light this? Oh, yeah. And like, how did they frame that? And I was like, you know, embarrassingly zoomed in on a lot of photos. Oh my God. It's and- so helpful though to see <laughs> the last house I built, primary house that I lived in, it was built from scratch. And my best friend had the same design and I would just go to her house all the time. And literally every decision I had to make, I would show up to her house and be like, well, where did you put this? What did you do? Cause it's yeah. really hard to visualize when you're in those stages of like, you can't picture it yet. Well, it's really good to meet the two of you. I love following your adventure. I know you're not done yet. There's more to come, but it does feel to me like such a beautiful example of cabin culture in action. So please tell the girls that I said, thank you for joining us. It was really nice to meet them. And hopefully we'll be in touch. Thank you, Janice. Bye, all. Thanks so much for joining us. And if you liked what you heard, feel free to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or share some of your favorite parts over on Apple Podcast. If you have feedback or suggestions for the future, you can also find me on Instagram at Cozy Rock Cabin. Looking forward to next week.